Hello and welcome to Preparing the Way. This is week number six in our series called Here I Stand. It's a series looking at the importance of foundational Christian truths. You know, the foundational truths are things that you really should study for your whole life long. And it's good to get that mindset within yourself. We never grow by, you know, moving away from the foundations. Quite the reverse. A Christian only ever grows through foundational truths, such as Bible study, prayer, faith, etc., etc. We grow through the study of the basic truths, not away from them. That's why, you know, series like this are so important. This is week number six. In our first week, we looked at creation and what the Bible has to say about that. In the second week, the nature of God. In the third week, man and how the Bible paints the picture of man. In our fourth week, Jesus Christ. In our fifth week, salvation. And today, in this sixth week, I, w- I want to look at the topic of faith. It would almost be impossible for me to overstate how important faith is to the Christian life. If you think of your home, for example, and all the electrical apparatus you have within the house that make your life so much easier and so much more pleasant. Imagine if there's a power cut and just think of your home then and, and, and how useless much of your house becomes, right? Well, it's, it's just like that with the Christian life. Faith is the, the power that brings everything to life in the Christian life. It, it gives us the power to, to, to live in an overcoming way. It gives us the power to acquire healing and health. It gives us the power to acquire wealth in this world or peace of mind. And unfortunately, faith, certainly for me in my early Christian life, I thought faith was some distant, far-off thing. But the, the truth is the Bible paints a very different picture of faith. In fact, let me read it to you. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us exactly what faith is. It tells us that it's not distant or woolly, you know. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I love that because it's nice and clear. It's, it tells me that faith, faith is when I'm sure of something. That's what faith is. Nice and simple. Faith is when I'm absolutely sure about something. My first point to you today, however, is this. God will only deal with you on the basis of faith. He doesn't respond to other things in life, I'm afraid. Now, people do, but God doesn't. And let me give you a, a, a few wrong ways of operating within any relationships. As a pastor, I deal with a lot of marriages, of course, husband-wife relationships and father-son relationships, mother-daughter relationships or whatever. And when you deal with people, you very quickly realize that people use all sorts of you know, wrong tactics to get what they want in life and to get what they want out of relationships. For example, some people have the habit of using emotional blackmail within a relationship to get what they want. You know, I I was in a big shop here in the UK the other day, and there was a father with his three or four-year-old son, and the boy wanted this toy that was in a basket, and he picked it up, and he wouldn't put it down. There was a long queue waiting for the tills, and everybody was watching this father and to see what he would do. I tell you, that boy screamed the shop down, and he made an almighty show. But the father did not give in. He wouldn't back down. And I stood there, and I thought, good father, good father, Because you know what, folks? There's one way to produce an unhappy adult, one sure way, and it's to spoil the child. Spoilt children become unhappy in their adult life. And that father was a good father, not responding to emotional blackmail. 
That's the first way people really go about their relationships wrong. Some people use pressure to get what they want. Or bribery, like Jacob tried to do that with God, right? Some people would use bribery to get what they want. But these things don't affect God and they mustn't come in to our relationship with God. You know, God doesn't even respond to pain so much. Of course, he cares about your pain, but that doesn't mean that he will respond to pain. You know, just take a look at the cross. Sometimes pain is necessary in life. I just want you to see, folks, that we can pick up bad habits. Maybe your parents weren't the best parents in the world, you know, and my parents were very good, but I still developed bad habits all on my own. I didn't need any help. And if we pick these traits up, in our relationships as we're growing up, the trouble is we can bring that type of operation into our marriage, into our workplace, into the church, and try and put those same, you know, traits into even our own children. Now, I say all that to say this. Don't try it with God. Because God operates on the basis of faith. And that's it. You're going to have to come down this road and approach God by faith in Him. What is faith? Well, we just read it. Faith is when you're sure about something. Think back over your life. There must have been moments when you were really, really sure about something. Something, you know, God put faith in you for something. I can remember having a phone call one day to tell me that there was a child and the child was dying. And when I got to the hospital, sure enough, the child had measles on the inside and just had days to live. But when I got that phone call, something entered me. Faith from heaven entered me. And I went to that hospital with an almighty faith in me. You know, I was sure, absolutely sure, that I was carrying, you know, healing power from God Almighty to put into that child. And so what I saw with my eyes, the, 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 the machines and the sickness of the child, it didn't affect me at all. And I was able to say to the parents, your child is going to be well. I remember in that same situation, I got a phone call one day saying that the doctors had said that that child would die within the next few hours, five, six hours, they said. This was in, at about nine o'clock in the evening. And I remember saying to the parents, your child will not die. Your child will not die. And you know, the child didn't die. And the child got well and walked out of that hospital. Faith is when you're sure. That's when you've got faith for something. I think of my, I work in Glasgow as a pastor and my journey to Glasgow took me through. I, I, I came here by faith. God put that in me. I knew I was going to come here in the end. And that was a journey of faith. So you think uh, of your own life. When was the last time you had faith for something. Well, that is probably the last time you used your faith. You see, faith is like a pilot light, if you like, within you. It's, you've got your saving faith, which is like a little pilot light that burns inside you. But the, the activity of your faith, when it comes to life, to do things in life, to be used by God to work miracles or whatever, the, the last time you actually used your faith, even though you've got it, may have been a long time ago. Think back. There must have been a moment when you were really sure of something. That was the last time you probably used your faith to do things in this earth. So faith is being sure of things that we cannot see. It's the substance of things hoped for. I remember an occasion, actually, with my wife. We were preaching in the open air in Cardiff City Centre, and I did a silly thing. We had a big team with us, and I, I took all the stuff out of my pockets, including my car keys, and I put them in the handbag of one of the team members, 
and then we carried on preaching and stuff and at the end of the day we all went our separate ways and we got back to the car park and realized my keys were in some girl's handbag you know um now i turned to my wife and i told her that and when i looked at her and told her that i saw faith in her she spoke back to me my wife i mean <laughs> and she said we will go back to the place where we were and the people will be standing there because they will have found the keys and they will have turned they will have returned to the place where we were preaching now this was a busy busy day in the middle of that city because it was a rugby day in cardiff which is one of the biggest days of the year i had no faith that that was going to happen at all but she did <laughs> i could see it i could see that she had faith they weren't just words they were words carried on faith and sure enough we returned to that spot and there they were waiting. They had found the keys. They had returned to wait on us. These were in the days before mobile phones, by the way, just to tell you how long ago that was. Faith is when you're sure of what you hope for. And you can see it in people. Now, as a minister, very often people will come to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, see when I want to pray for something. Some people have told me that I should pray one prayer and then believe and not pray again. And other people have told me that I should pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Which is true? That's a good question. A question I asked myself. And the, the answer is both are true. In fact, the Bible gives us two very good examples of, of, of both such uh, faith operating in, in both those circumstances. You think of the centurion who Jesus described as having great faith. And then you think of the persistent widow who had a type of persistent faith, if you like. Think of the centurion. He approaches Jesus and says to Jesus, only say the word, just say one prayer, only say the word, one word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus turns to him and says, now that's a man of great faith. There's your one prayer faith. And the person has faith to, you know, see that in operation. But then you've got the persistent widow, which is like the other extreme. Now remember, the persistent widow was not praised for her faith. She was praised for her persistence. It's a very different thing. But nonetheless, there was a little faith inside that lady that kept her praying and kept her praying, and she still got what she was looking for. So what types of faith are, are there? Well, the Bible speaks actually of three types of faith. It says there's little faith, like the persistent widow. It says there's great faith, like the centurion. And it says there's perfect faith. And I want to encourage you today, folks, no matter, because many people listen to this program every week. We estimate we have a listenership at the moment of 200,000 people. So I thank God for that. And, and in that number listening today, there'll be people there in all, you know, different types of place in their Christian life. I want to tell you something. Years ago, even though I was born again, even though Jesus had been so gracious to me, I backslid. I, I fell away really from good Christian living and it wasn't a good time for me. I was in a very low place. I was single at the time. I was living in a flat in, in Dublin City. And I remember washing the dishes one day and, and standing there and being very down with myself, very self-condemned. And you know, the Bible shows us that we can hear from God in a general sense. You can hear from the devil you can hear from Jesus, and there's a few instances where it says, and the Holy Spirit spoke to someone, you know. This is one of the few occasions in my life when I can definitely say the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And this is what he said. Here I am, in a depressed state, in a backslidden state, and the Holy Spirit stood beside me and whispered to me very clearly and said this, You are a man of great faith. 
And I, I was so shocked. It was loud and clear. I was so shocked by that statement that came from out of the blue that I actually laughed standing there at my kitchen. I laughed like Sarah laughed when she was told she was going to have a child. I laughed and I thought, great faith, you must be joking. I am not a man of great faith. And later that week, you know, I was with two people, two invalids actually living at home. I was visiting them both in different places. And both of them said to me that I've got something to say to you. And they both said, you're a man of great faith. And I remember after the second visit, going out and getting on my bike and, and talking to God and saying, do you know what, God? Even though I might not feel like a man of great faith, I might not look like a man of great faith, I'm not living like a man of great faith at the moment. Because you say it, then I accept that and I will endeavor in my life to try and walk worthy of such a calling or such a thing that you have said to me. So I want to encourage you out there, no matter where you are in your Christian life, we've got a good Father, we've got a good God in heaven who wants to encourage you to use your faith. And he's put his, his life in you, the life of God is in you. And he who began a good work in you can bring it to completion. Amen. So they're, they're the types of faith. Another key thing to understand about faith is the levels of it. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the whole human race, when everybody born on earth believes that there's a God, when they look up at the sky, they are without excuse because they know there's a God. It's just that they turn aside to worship other things, people. People worship people, you know. They turn aside to worship money or whatever or their careers. Right? But there's a base level of faith, if you like, within the entire human race that we know that God is there. But that's not saving faith. That's the base level, the bottom level, level one. The second level up type of faith is redeeming faith. The faith in God, Jesus Christ, is our Redeemer. Right? That's saving faith, redeeming faith. But not everybody on earth has that. Only some repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior, their own personal Redeemer. So you see, if you like, in the world, there's the whole world have, have a very base level of faith in God as Creator, even though they may deny that. The second level up is redeeming faith or saving faith, when some put their personal faith in Him. And the top level of operation of faith is, is the gift of faith. When you see you know, lots of people have the gift of faith and you can see it in them. Faith is lively and active. That's mentioned in Corinthians. Just on that second level of faith, the, the redeeming faith, you know, everybody has within them enough faith to find God. Put it like that. Whether they use it or not, or they choose to follow him or not, the faith is there in the entire human race, according to Romans 1 and 2, to actually find a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Once before I was saved, I was caught in a thunderstorm. I was walking down a street in, in Cardiff and there was an almighty thunderclap above my head that shook everything, shook me. And I leapt off the ground in fear. And, you know, I'm, I'm lost at this time, you know. I'm lost. I'm not saved. I've never, I'm far, far away from God. But the thunderclap came over my head and I jumped off the ground and guess what came out of my mouth? I shouted, Jesus! Amazing! And as my feet hit the ground, I remember thinking to myself, where on earth did that come from? Because I wasn't thinking about Jesus. And that's your Romans chapter 1, you know, human being. 
somewhere deep inside me, I knew that God was there. And I was frightened. I was just about to get struck by lightning. And I actually found that faith was in there somewhere, even though I'd never repented of my sin and been saved. And the whole human race is actually like that, whether they're aware of it or not. There's a base understanding that God exists. So how does faith come? Well, there's many different ways that faith comes into our lives. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Probably the most common statement on faith you'll hear. Faith comes when we hear God's word and we know he's told us something or said something. That gives us great assurance. It means we're sure of the thing that he has said to us. Number two, faith comes by studying God in history. And we live in a day where I think that we greatly underestimate studying history. Now, I studied history at Cardiff University, so I have an appreciation for history. I know what it can, the, the benefits of, of understanding history. But God is a God of history, you know. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, generation after generation, and telling us his story in history. This is what the Jews were famous for, right? Recounting their history and knowing their history. Like Stephen in the book of Acts when they were just about to stone him. Remember, without any notes, he was able to stand up and recount the whole history of his people. That gave him great faith. Great, great faith, because he knew the same God who was with Abraham was with Isaac. The same God who was with Isaac was with Jacob. And this same God is with me and will see me through to the gates of heaven. So faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by studying God in history and knowing that you're, you've been saved by the same God and he's on your side too. Faith comes by being around, number three, faith comes by being around people of faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't stand being around negative people. It really bothers me. I will give them a little bit of time. <laughs> I'll give them a bit of grace, but I'll say, Do you know what? If you don't change your speech, then, you know, bad company corrupts good character. And I've tried to keep myself positive in life and keep my faith active. And I'm not going to spend time with you if you don't change your speech. And I've had a few people in churches over the years like that. People who would insist that you come and see them, but they would pour out constant negativity about people or the church. And you have to draw a line, you know. I'd say, look, I've come now three times and you're still being incredibly negative. Either you change your ways or I'm not coming back. Kick the dust off my feet type thing. And people get all annoyed about that. But you've got to protect yourself as well as help people. So watch negative people. Be careful because, as I say, bad company corrupts good character. You're not above that. You can be affected by those things. So faith comes by hearing, number one, by studying God in history, number two, by watching yourself around negative people, number three. But more than anything, faith gets developed in us when we use the faith that we've got. You know, Jeanette says a wonderful thing. My wife Jeanette says a wonderful, wonderful thing. Years ago, she said this to me. You never get strength from, uh, sorry, you never get strength for the battle. You get strength from the battle. And that stuck with me. I thought that's a fantastic insight. You get strength from using your faith. You'll go from faith to faith when you use your faith. And uh, over the years, as a pastor of several churches, very often, there's hardly a month goes by that someone will come to me and they'll say, I'm tired, I'm worn out, I'm weary. And I need to take a sabbatical. I need to take time out. Pastor, I want to step back from ushering. I want to step back from the children's work or whatever. I get that and any pastor gets that all the time. But after a while, you start to see the big picture. And you start to see that the people who stepped back from the fight, 
in order to gain strength, very often did not gain strength. They actually got weaker. Because you don't get strength for the battle. You get strength from the battle. We have an evangelism team that goes out on the streets of Glasgow City every Saturday, about 20 of them. And they go down there. Most of them turn up tired, worn out, doing two or three jobs. They turn up, they stand on the street, look at one another, and they reluctantly start because they're, they're busy and they're tired. But guess what? Two hours later, after they've preached the gospel, they leave energized. They've just got strength from the battle. Or our weekly prayer meeting here, Friday nights, People turn up there tired. It's Friday night. They've been working all week. But they don't leave tired. They leave energized because they've just got strength from the battle. And my fourth point on that, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by studying history. Faith comes by protecting yourself against negativity. But faith comes and grows when you use the faith you have. So don't step back from the battle. Rather, push forward into the battle and let God increase your faith. Lastly, let me just mention a few hindrances to faith that are very obvious ones, but nonetheless ones you need to watch. The first big hindrance to faith, of course, is sin. Now, sin is a hindrance to your faith, not because if you're a born-again Christian, God's not condemning you. There, Romans tells us there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But sin is a hindrance to your faith because if you sin, you're going to be self-condemned. Not so much condemned by God, that's not what it is. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you slip or fall, God will help you back up. Even though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he shall arise. God will get you back on your feet like any father. He's not condemning you. He'll restore you. But something else happens when you sin. And that's, you become self-condemned. You puncture your own faith. In 1 John it says this, When our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask. That's faith. That's faith because you're not self-condemned. So sin is a hindrance to your faith. Would Beyond any shadow of a doubt it is. But it's because of self-condemnation. So if you sin, repent of your sin. Have communion. That's the difference between us and the Jews, you know. The blood that the Jews spilt, the blood of animals, could never take away a guilty conscience. It talks about this in Hebrews. But the blood of Jesus. So even though a Jew sacrificed a bull, he left guilty. He always left guilty. They never rid themselves, never were able under the old covenant blood to purge their conscience. But the wonderful thing about communion is that it has the power and the ability to cleanse you on the inside from a guilty conscience and to restore you to a place of faith. How wonderful is that? So sin is a hindrance to faith. Unbelief, number two, is a hindrance to faith. You know, unbelief co-abides within us. We've all got a degree of it and we need to try and get it out of us as much as possible. Little faith, great faith, perfect faith. We want to get to the place where, where we've, we've rid ourselves of all unbelief so that faith is pure and clean and holy and operational, powerful in our lives. Hindrances to faith are sin, unbelief, of course negativity, and fourthly, worry. Now, I was a worrier. I was a professional worrier. And I thank God I, I've, I've really got rid of that now. So if any of you are worriers, take courage. You can lose worry as well as have it as a habit. I, I, I had it as a habit and I managed to, to get rid of it. But worry will, will mess up your faith completely. It's, it's a bad habit. And lastly, and just to finish today, hindrances to faith are when you're, if, you, if you're a married person, is if you have any disagreement with your husband or with your wife. 
Peter tells us this in, in, in his epistle. He says, make sure that you're in agreement with your wife in case your prayers get hindered. In other words, our prayers aren't heard. If we can't keep our marriage right and keep a, a happy marriage, there's, it's going to affect your prayer life. Now, myself and, and my wife, we have arguments just like any other couple occasionally. Praise God, we're very, very happy together. But we do have moments where we have arguments with one another like anybody else. But I can tell you this, folks, thank God. An argument in our, life, in our house lasts about 30 seconds. We have learned that we, we are never going to hold things against one another. We will very quickly put our lives right. We will very quickly, if, she, if I think she's annoyed with me or something, I, I just can't let it go. I'll say, are you okay? And she will quickly respond and we get our lives immediately, immediately back on track so that nothing messes up your relationship with one another and thus your relationship with God. Faith is important. God bless you, and I pray that the things we've shared today, they're available in full on the website. Please go to the website where you can find this whole series there. It's called Here I Stand. Okay, God bless you, and goodbye. Thank you for listening to today's program. I trust you have been blessed and edified by what you've heard. I want to ask you to do something, and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. By doing so, you can help us to take these essential messages out to many other nations, many other people around the world. You can become a partner by visiting our website, preparingtheway.tv, and there you will find many ways that you can join up. Folks, it is a pleasure and an honor to partner with you in bringing in the end times harvest. God bless you, and once again, thank you for listening.